0: In Matthew nine thirty five, Jesus says this. Well, says, When Jesus went to all the towns and our villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, listen to this, he had compassion on them. If you and I do not pick up a heart of compassion for people, you and I will never go. You will never do anything. You will stay in your comfort zone, and you will live your life, and you'll, I bless you, you bless me, we bless, and that's great. But that's not what we were born for. We were born for something bigger than that. He said, they were like, she compassionate, because they were like, um, they were harassed, helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to them, to his disciples, listen to this, the harvest is plentiful, but the Laborers or the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore send out workers into his harvest field. God doesn't have a harvest problem. God has a labor problem. Just a thought. So here's down the bottom line. If you speak to Andy and Cindy and ask them, is this a huge sacrifice? The answer is going to be you see, if you and I are going to follow God, it's going to cost us. If you want to be a God pleaser, Paul says this, we make it our goal to please him in every way. If you want to be a God pleaser, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you something. And this is what I've learned in life. We can sacrifice for God without loving him. But we cannot obey him without loving him. How do I know that? I find that in John fourteen fifteen, Jesus said this, if you love me keep my commands. If you love me, if being a, what do you call that word, English people? A, um, <laughs> now I'm not looking for the meaning of if. Um, it's, a, it's a conditional. That's the word I'm looking for. It's conditional. If you love me, keep my commandments. Verse 24 says, anyone who does not love me will not obey my teachings. So I cannot obey God If I don't love him. So we read a story of King Saul. And King Saul was a a great man, fighter, everything. And so when he became king, God said to him, I want I'm giving you an assignment. I want you to go and annihilate all the Amalekites. He said, Why would God want to do that? Well, when the nation of Israel was coming out of Egypt into the promised land, the Amalekites were the very first nation or people group that attacked Israel. They were like the, um, what are the words I put down over here? Brrr. They were like the, the guerrilla, guerrilla terrorists of that time. And they would, they would nail any nation and they would t- carry off their, all their goods and their, and their wealth and their stuff. And that's how they, they become wealthy and, and, and that's how they lived. And so what happens is, uh, God knew that Israel would never be at peace while they were around because they were not going to change. That's how they were. That's how they lived. And so God gives them an assignment. He says, "I want you to go and take them all out." And so Saul goes, but the problem is and, and this was the, the, the assignment, the assignment was, take everybody out. people, animals, everything. So Paul and everybody go. I mean Saul goes and he keeps the king, and then they work through all the animals, and they keep the best of all the animals. Samuel who was the one that spoke to Saul, uh, Paul and said, Go. Ugh, King Saul, getting him too mixed up here, says to him, comes to him and says, did you do what God told you? He says, yes, I did everything. He says, then how come I hear the bleeping of sheep in my ears? And then, Listen to, so, so Saul then kind of like hides it up and he says, well, you know, we kept those best so we could oh, have an offering to the Lord. And listen to what Samuel replies to him in 1 Samuel 15:22. He says, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice and to heed is the better than the fat of rams. God says it doesn't matter whether you want to keep those in sacral. When I gave you an instruction to do something, I'm asking you to do it fully. Do it fully. Half is not fully. Half was a good effort, but half is not fully. And I'm asking you to think about these things now when we're thinking of Andrew and Cindy as they're going. They're not going half. You can't go halfway to Australia. You'll drown <laughs> unless you can paddle water for a very, very long time. They have to go fully. And and Saul lost his kingship right there because of that. So what does go look like when we read the Matthew 28 and Mark 16, it says go? You see, it says go into the world. Now, let's be real with that. You and I are not going to be able to go into all the world. Right? But I want to do give for your consideration tonight that each of you and I have a world. You have a world. Some of us are called to the nations. But we're also called to the nations that are right around you. Who is your world? Your world is your neighbor. Your world is your work colleagues. Your world is your sporting environment. Your world is 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 your um Your recreation. If you love watching rugby, get people around. If you love watching Formula One, get people around. Make them part of your world. You see, light has to shine somewhere. And we can't say your light shine on my light and my light shines on your light and we just got a bright light. No. Light is useless in light. Light works when there's darkness around. Light works when, 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 when it has a job to do. I'll tell you, load shedding frustrates me immensely because you're trying to hold a torch and trying to see what you're doing. And your hands are busy holding the light. You can't do what you want to do. And it's just frustrating. Let not our light be a frustration. Let our light be a blessing to people. And we as Christians are not better than anybody else. We just know that we have a Savior. His name is Jesus. And because of that, and because He's helped us, and because He's changed our life, and because He's healed us, and because of all those things, we want to be the example for people to see so they can fall in love with the same Jesus we are in love with. So we all have neighbors, we all have colleagues, we have sport people, we have interest groups. You see, that's why the Bible says, go and preach the gospel where? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, Australia. (laughs) The Cape Province, the Free State, Gauteng, then go to Australia. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, just, Just playing now. You see, we all play, listen to me now, we all play a part to make the big picture more clear, how many of you love building puzzles? Uh, can, I, can I just make the statement? I have, I have uh, worked this out in life that you can gauge your friendship with people with a kind of puzzle that they bless you with. <laughs> you know, you get nice puzzles, you get horrible puzzles. And if you don't like somebody, you buy a puzzle that is very, very difficult, and you bless him with it, and you say, there. <laughs> we, we, we got blessed with a puzzle once, and, and I think it was a thousand piece, and the only thing it had was two horses right in the middle of a green field with white flowers. The flowers in the beginning were in focus, and the flowers behind were out of focus, I'm telling you, you couldn't work out who, you had to take each piece and put it in there to see if somewhere along the line, this thing's going to work. And I thought, I must be (laughs) this person's enemy to give me a puzzle like this one. (laughs) So somewhere along the line, now here's, here's the thing, a piece of a puzzle doesn't make sense until it's put into its place and it completes the picture. You and I are pieces of puzzle in the building of God's kingdom. And every one of us has something to do for the kingdom. And when you and I are placed in our place, we complete the picture. And everything becomes more clear. That's why you and I can't afford just to sit and do nothing. You can't just say, I bless you, you bless me, and we bless. No, because you only get four pieces in the puzzle. You've got another thousand pieces that you've got to put together. And each of us have got a role to play in what God is building. And that is why the fire of God needs to burn on the inside of us. So it gets us out of our comfort zone going to do what we need to do. So some of us are going to be spearheading something. Some of us are going to be the continuation of something that's already started. And we're going to keep the fire going. And then some of us are going to be reaping where we didn't even sow. But we just seem to be at the right place. God put us there. And then that's it. Things happen. It's not because you're better than anybody else. In fact, here's a good lesson to learn. Always be grateful to the people that went before you because they put foundations and things in place so that you and I could enjoy what we're enjoying today. That one's for free. I didn't charge you anything extra for that one. So this is how it works. Paul gives us that whole thing. He says in 1 Corinthians 3.6, he says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. You and I, we play our part. Everything grows. It just grows. So when we look at the uh, the, the Hall of Fame, I told you it's going to be short. Hebrews 11, Hall of Fame, the faith, all the amazing people that did amazing things right throughout the Bible. and and, And the Bible mentions Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Isaac, Moses, Sarah, Rahab, David, Samuel, and the list just goes on and on and on. And, it, and then I saw this verse in verse 39, Hebrews 11, it says this, These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. They lived their whole life working towards something, believing on something, and they never saw it into it. You know why? Because the promise was Jesus that was going to come many generations later. But they were the lineage that that, that Jesus came through. And they they had to just keep on doing what they needed to do so that Jesus could arrive when he needed to arrive. And that's how it works with us as well. One generation will go and another one comes up. But the fire needs to keep running through every generation. So that somewhere along the line, somebody's life gets changed in the process. All these people were in the lineage of Jesus. Jesus. If we look in the book of Acts after Jesus and we see the basis of the building of the church, with are uh, building the greatest kingdom that ever hit planet earth. Say, somebody say amen. It's the greatest kingdom that ever hit planet earth. A kingdom leaving people better than we found them. A God that changed them, setting people free from bondages, strongholds, addiction, hatred, bitterness. The, the world is in a mess. And what this world has to offer cannot get people out of that condition. Only Jesus can. Restoring hope, life, joy, peace again. Are you enjoying some of those things? Joy? Are you happy that you've got the life that you've got? I am. Healing marriages, relationships, communities, nations. The Bible is still the only answer to everything this world's problems. The Bible is the only answer. So remember, a puzzle only makes sense when it's put into place. But here's the question. With all this going and all the stuff that's happening, why would God want to use us? Have you ever thought about that? Why would God want to use me? How many of you perfect? Ludwig and? <laughs> There's nobody perfect this side of heaven. So why would God use you and me? That's the greatest question. In fact, that's the thing that I fought the most. And here's the deal. All of us are not qualified to do what God is asking us to do. But there are people that are more gifted, have a better vocabulary, understand more. And yet, for some reason, he still put his hand under you and I and said, I want you. And and I've asked God why? Why pick somebody that's better? And when we look at Acts chapter four verse twelve, and it says this: When the people looked at the disciples. Miracles happened. things. I mean, it was just amazing. but Hebrew, I mean Acts 4:12 says, "A salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to man by which we must be saved." Then listen to verse 13. When they — in other words, the leaders, the authority and the people around it, saw the courage of Peter and John, listen to this, and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men that were astonished. Paul says this, I think, to the Corinthian church. He said, God chose the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. He takes the foolish. Me and you, we fall into foolish. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? I mean, if you were looking for encouragement, there it is right there. The King James Version, so that was the NIV. The King James Version says, they perceived that they were uneducated and untrained. In other words, they were lack like I love that Afrikaans word, lack like So remember this, the Lord doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. The Lord doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. There are many people that could do a better job than you and I, but the problem is they're not willing to go. But because we put up our hand and said, Lord, if you can use me, if you can use anything, and if you can use me, here I am. And that's why God's put his hand on you. That's why he's using you. And that's why Isaiah said this in Isaiah 6 8. Then I heard the voice of the Lord say, Whom shall I send? And who will go for me? And I said, Here I am, send me. Is that the cry of your heart? Here I am, Lord, send me. He's not going to send you to India. He's not going to send you to China. He's not going to send you to America. But he's going to send you to his na- your neighbor. The one that the dog barks at midnight. And you're tired. And um, the one that loves fixing cars next door and he's revving the engine because he's just all the engine and he's revving it at, at like 11 o'clock at night. That guy. <laughs> the guy that, that, that when you get visitors around and, and there's too many cars to park in your area, then you park on their kind of like a little bit of on their verge and he comes out and he, gives you, he nails you. <laughs> that guy. Those are the people. So I want to to end to Andrew and Cindy. Why would the Lord take you from here to there? I don't know. But we're going to find out very soon. You see, when God told Abraham to go, he had no clue where he was going to. But Abraham got up and moved. And in his moving, you see, you cannot stare a stationary bicycle, you have to move, and only then does the steering work. And so as you go, so everything else is going to become a little bit more clearer. But nobody can deny that God's done amazing miracles for you in the sense of opening doors and putting favor on your life. The the little bit that you've told me has just been wow. And so we have to say that God is definitely in the boat. And as you've sent the call and you're prepared, now here's the thing, they're prepared to leave their comfort zone, they're prepared to leave their friends, they're prepared to leave all the known and go to the unknown, go and start all over again. They have to go and adjust to another culture, all those kind of things. That's going to be tough. And I'm asking for us as a church that we will continually pray for them. Put their name on your fridge. Pray for them. Ask God to do something. But I want to ask, as you leave us as a church and as you leave the shores of Africa, may you continually be Matthew 6.33. Seek ye first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. May you continue to serve, carry the fragrance of Jesus, influence for his kingdom. May you live the life Jesus has called you to do, so lives will be impacted because at the end of the day, our life is not about us. It's about someone else. Somewhere along the line, God's put you where you are so that you can influence somebody else's life. And here's the crazy thought. Sometimes God has put us on earth for one opportunity, only one opportunity. And I pray for you as a family that if you only have one opportunity, you will see it and you'll give it your best. So you're an amazing family. I've heard stories of how you have discipled people. You've had people in your homes. You've, you've, you've loved people. You've been such an amazing family in this church um And we, in our hearts, are really sad to lose you, but we 're very blessed for Australia because they are winning a family or not not winning a family they didn't they didn 't compete they just getting a family they 're getting a family so i 'm going to hand over to Adam, and adam 's going to run with a whole bunch of other things.